0: Here we are, RobCast, episode 302, It's Good to Be, blank line, period. I know. It, it took 302 episodes to get to an episode with a title that has a long blank line <laughs> in it. We were working our way there, and now we're here. So the title of this episode is a fill-in-the-blank. It's good to be blank, period. And so in this episode, I want to explore what goes in that blank line and give you something to write in that blank line. And it's so simple, and yet the most profound truths are usually lurking, lingering somewhere there in the simple sentences, aren't they? Um, I'm doing some new—they're so enjoyable. I don't even know whether to call them classes or sessions or events. I've noticed a number of things people wanted to talk about last year, and so I've created these uh, live online events— to talk about them. I noticed how many people had a sense that there was something new to do, something to try, something to make, shape, create, form. And It's so almost like a voice, like a slow motion whisper within them going, hey, we should try this. But then what they would say to me is something along the lines of, but then there's also these other voices, uh, imposter syndrome, fear. Um, legitimacy. Who am I to do this? Other people have done that, and so what I noticed is how many people had this one voice—the uh, voice of creation. It's like, hey, it's time to go. Something's ending. Something's starting. Let's try this. Let's try that. Why? Why wouldn't we at least uh, dip our toe in that water over there? But then these other voices—the the voice of the expert, the voice of the possible. Uh, the critic, judgment, shame, um, legitimacy, authority. And so uh, this week I'm doing a session called How to Create, and I want to show you how to listen to that one voice in such a way that all those other voices, you can't even hear them anymore. And there's some very specific ways you can do this. Once again, it's like musculature you can build up. So this um, weekend, the class is called How to Create. And then um, the following week is Saturday School Part 2. My son, Trace, and I, uh, we want to give you a whole new way to view everything. And I know that sounds incredibly wide and vague, um, but it's also true. We want to give you a different starting point. Perhaps for you, the the framework you were given or that your tribe taught you doesn't work. Um, you have a sense of spirit, a sense of divine, a sense that there's something more going on here, but the dominant paradigms simply don't, they aren't up to the task. And so Trace and I are bit by bit over the course of this year in Saturday school giving you know a new way to understand what it means to be a human, who each of us actually is, and how that relates to everybody else from a starting point of union, not separation. And um, we're already uh, just talking with people who are in the first uh, Saturday school. Uh-oh. And speaking of that, Trace, my son, is leading discussion groups. So perhaps if you like listen to the Robcast and you're like, why? I assume there are other people out there who want to talk about these things. Um, you can at my site watch part one and then go to Trace's. Site which you can link to off my site. It's Trace Bell, but Bell has three L's because he's Trace three, right? Robert Holmes Bell the third. You can go to tracebell. dot uh, and you can sign up and then be in one of his groups. And he is having so much fun interacting with people about what we're teaching. And then the following week, I'm doing another session. It's called How to Tell a Story because I noticed how many people. Um, I'm not necessarily talking about big, giant, like, movie script stories, although that's part of it, but just how to tell a story because there's a music. There's a music to a story. It has A story has a beat. Uh, a story has a rhythm. It has spaces. Uh, part of telling a story is knowing where the spaces are And what to do and not do in those spaces. So anyway, I'm going to tell you everything I've learned about how to tell a story. And then the following week, another thing I've noticed so many people want to talk about. um, The following week, the event is called How to Be Curious. And uh, uh, Saturday school happens Saturday. These other um, sessions happen on Sundays. Um, But on how to be curious, I'm just going to tell you everything I know about how to... (laughs) Basically, they're very straightforward. I'm going to tell you everything I know about how to be curious because curiosity is the engine. And what I realized is I noticed how many people would ask me questions about curiosity and they would say things like, I'm realizing that curiosity is actually the engine. It's the thing. It's the fuel. And they would say something like, but I never took a class in curiosity. So I'm literally doing a class In curiosity, because I've never heard of a class in curiosity, and yet that's the thing that actually, especially later in life, you realize is the juice. It's the mojo. It's the juge. It's the it's the thing that makes everything else filled with all the, you know what I'm talking about, right? (laughs) Yeah. So uh, that's what these are. These are me telling you everything I know about this, and then we go from there. So all that you can. you know, register at my site. Now, let's talk about this episode and this title. It's good to be blank. This episode is about a phrase. Last year, I was talking to a friend. She was talking about the voices in her head. uh, The teller she's a failure, shame, guilt, all the usual, you know, the usual boring voices that have been around forever. Um, And... She was, she was talking about feelings of inadequacy and how bad she feels about herself. And I said to her, uh, hold, on, hold on a second. It's good to be, and then I said her name. It's good to be, and then said her name. And there was this moment, I mean, such a simple phrase. Literally, put your name in that blank line. Yeah, it's good to be, Rob. I'm telling you, there was this moment when she then said it. It's good to be, and then she said her name. It's like this simplicity after complexity. It's such a simple phrase. It's such a crystal clear affirmation of being. And yet... There's so much in just those few words. Around the same time, I was talking to somebody else, and they were doing the same thing, talking about this, uh, like, questions of, legi- who am I? I? Everything I do, I seem to eventually mess it up, like that sort of thing. And I just said, is it good to be? And then I said their name, is it good to be? And they said, No they looked me in the eyes this person and said no when i asked them is it good to be now if you're like me can you you can feel that in your chest can't you that no it's like it's like devastating it like takes the wind out of the sails it hurts it hurts yeah so even right now if you take out a sheet of paper and write that sentence out, it's good to be, and then you write your name. Um, maybe I should even back up, can you do it? Or do you do it with a certain trepidation or trembling or hesitation? Or if you can do it, do you see what it does? Uh, yeah, whatever energetic imprint, whatever whatever is in you and that sentence, um, Imagine, because it's like a roll rumble, right? It like exists lower in the body. Um, imagine how much in our lives emanates from this one affirmation, or denial, or hesitancy. Like imagine the people that you have interacted with who lament all the things that don't go right for them. And I imagine if you say to them, is it good to be and then said their name? Is there a relationship? And obviously, all sorts of things happen beyond our control. Obviously. Obviously, they're everything that you would never plan in a thousand years that have nothing to do with how you... But think about how much this one affirmation emanates, like in concentric circles, out from your heart. Because you don't... This is, not, this is not a thought experiment, right? This is not an intellectual argument to be reasoned persuasively. This, this sort of affirmation and denial, it takes place much deeper uh, in the center of the self. Imagine how much of your life flows and emanates from this one truth, because that's what we're doing. We're learning to open our hearts. It's the only way forward. And the heart is the center of the being. It integrates the mind. The mind does not, the brain does not run the show. It serves something larger. So right there, a lot of static and frequency and feedback and buzz and a, a lot of dissonance can occur simply when you're stuck in your head. Um, When the brain is running the show, we are so grateful for our cognitive abilities, but they serve something larger, which is an integrated life in which body, soul, spirit, connection with earth, others, the cosmos, it's all flows from a central integrated center of the being. So we're learning to live from an open heart. It's the only way forward. It's the only way the world gets healed. It's the only way we find our paths. And that means opening our hearts to the essential goodness of life. That it's good to be here. That it's good to be you. That it's good to be me. That it's good to be us. Now, that can sound like it denies the difficulties that it denies the divisions, that denies the injustice, the racism, the inequality, not at all. Not at all. No, no, no. Good includes them. When we say it's good to be you, we are not in any way denying the things that we would call bad, the opposite of good. No, no, no. We're saying that good is larger than even the opposite of good. Greater peace, calm, joy, and grounding. All the things that all of us want, what you want. Greater peace, calm, joy, and grounding always come from expansion. And expansion, g- g- growth, maturity, evolution, however, however, whatever language you would use, and expansion, growth, maturity, usually involves things that appeared to be in conflict, sitting side by side with each other. So you can have a bad day. You You can have a rugged 2020. You can be undergoing tremendous stress and pressure and loss. It's still good to be you. That affirmation of the essential goodness of you being here does not in any way discount the heartaches and pains of this experience. We open our hearts to the essential goodness of life while at the same time never denying or avoiding or repressing the very real heartaches and pains that come our way. The universe has been expanding for 13 billion years. Every point within the universe is expanding. The universe is omnicentric, meaning in an expanding reality, every point within that universe is the center of it. So you are the center of the universe. I'm the center of the universe. By the way, this is science. Every point within an omnicentric universe is the center of that universe. The universe is expanding. And so when you and I expand, when things that previously seemed at odds with each other, end up sitting side by side, they still are in opposition, good and bad, pain and joy. They still exist, and they are still in opposition, but they're taking place within a larger, expansive goodness that is you and I being here. It's good to be you. Now, when we say that, we are constantly telling ourselves stories. Think about the running storytelling that you do throughout the course of a given day. Think even about other people. This person's on my side, this person's not. This is a friend, this is an enemy. This latest headline in the news is good. This latest headline is bad. We are constantly telling our, sto- our stories. That's how we make our way in the world. These stories direct us They make sense of us. And people have been doing this for thousands and thousands of years, telling stories to make sense of the world and to make sense of our place within it. Now, you know, I've been shaped by this ancient Hebrew story. Uh, I've been shaped by lots of stories across lots of traditions, lots of religious traditions, lots of sacred texts. Um, But this particular Hebrew story, specifically where the Bible begins in Genesis, this story has shaped me. And what's really interesting is I find it's—I find myself drawing on it and finding new depth and layers more than ever. Because the Bible begins with a poem. And for thousands of years, people have affirmed a truth, a poetic. And that's so central to it. Let the poem be a poem. Are you with me? And in the poem, there's this divine, animating, activating, creative energy that is, that is endlessly unfolding what you and I know to be the universe. And in the poem, there is this, because words create new worlds. <clears throat> the, the image that's used is of these words that speak and new things come into existence, which is actually how it works, right? You spoke it. You thought it. It came into being. Yeah, it's, it's a, a universal truth about how new comes into existence. And in the poem, there's this affirmation of creation. There's light and dark, and it's good. There's water and land, and it's good. There's fish in the sea and birds in the air and animals on land, and it's good. There's trees that produce fruit, and the, f- the fruit is pleasing to the eye, aesthetics, design, order, beauty, and it's good. So again and again, rhythmically in this poem, like like stanzas, like bars in a good song, they keep returning to this affirmation of essential goodness that rests on all of creation. But it's also got Plenty of drama from the get-go. Because this word good is a Hebrew word tov. It's tov, it's tov. Well, it's light. It's the creation of the planets. But the planets are where we get our sense of light and dark. Before you ever move to, to light and dark as a metaphor, right? Or figuratively, you have light and dark as like, you know, the lights are on, the lights are off. So... This goodness contains light, but this darkness is also present within this goodness. Or think about plants that have seeds, and those seeds fall to the earth, they're buried in the earth, so you can't see them. For a seed to grow, it has to be buried in the soil, and to be buried, we have to not be able to see it. So there's a period before there's life when all you have is something buried in the earth. Well, generally, we only bury things in the earth that are dead. So there is a perceived death or deadness that then from its place of inaction and dormancy and latency, comes up out of the soil and produces new plants. And by the way, if you've eaten today, you participated in that, what would you call it, death and rising of a seed. If you ate anything today, generally you probably ate plants, and those plants were once buried in the earth. They were seeds. They were just what looked like dead, potent, dead unmet potential that became plants that you ate. Do you see there's like, it's sweaty and dirty and bloody from the get-go, and the goodness of creation, it's an affirmation. It's got plenty of drama baked into it from the very beginning, and it's going somewhere. And so in the poem, when it affirms humans as very good, These humans exist within this larger goodness that's already alive, it's already sweaty, dirty, bloody, and it's already going somewhere. It's this living dynamic thing that's headed somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, Yes, when we say good, it's good to be you. We're not speaking of some buffed and polished, right? We're we're, not—reality where everything's just fine, like a mall where everything on the shelves is new and all the floors are like squeaky clean. Oh, that's not—yeah, that's not real. That's why you just can't wait to get out of there. It's not real because you know there's a push and pull. There's our dirt and sweat and blood to this. Every story you've ever loved had some resistance in it. Every movie that left you— teared up in the theater, every show that you got sucked, every novel, every friend who's like, I got to tell you what happened today. (laughs) Yeah, every story. If you encounter a story and there isn't some resistance, some conflict, some struggle, pretty quickly you're bored and you say, it just didn't grab me. So when you think about your life and the goodness of your life, if we take out The edges, the unknown, the struggle, the tension, pressure, stress. Yeah. We take out the thing that when you listen to stories, if it's not there, you immediately, like, that's a crap story. (laughs) So when we say it's good to be you, when we say good in the ancient thousands of years old sense, we are not somehow skimming the surface. We are not sliding across the very real challenges and difficulties and sweat and blood and tension. No, 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 no. And we're calling it what it is. That was awful. That was a hell on earth. We're calling it what it is. And yet, the story we're telling ourselves is it's good to be you. It's good to be me. It's good to be here. Oh, and and as long as, you know what, let's stay biblical, shall we? (laughs) If you move on from the Genesis poem, the poem keeps going. In Genesis 3, you have these, uh, they're almost like figurative prototype humans. Adam means the earth, Eve, mother of living. So right away, it's like the storyteller is winking, like, hey, I'm talking about everybody here. It's not that it happened, it's it happens. That's what I'm trying to talk about here, um they there's a there's a tree, and uh they know that if they eat of it something will happen they're told they will die, although they don't die so right there the storyteller's winking that this is about something larger um, but they experience a separation they experience a loss because of choices they make now it's interesting uh in the Western world, especially in the uh Certain traditions, this was always called original sin. Um, What's fascinating is in a lot of the Hebrew tradition, they don't call that original sin. They call Adam and Eve's decisions, they call it growing up. (laughs) Yeah, oh yeah, you can find ancient rabbis um, go on and on about this, that Adam and Eve had to wake up. They had to leave the childlike state and actually make some decisions. Otherwise, human beings don't grow up. Yeah, they experience the power of their decision-making, which is what every kid has to do, or the kid remains a child. So you see the storyteller is doing something really interesting. The storyteller places human power and agency to make decisions, decisions that can really make a mess of things. Decisions of separation, um, decisions of isolation, decision—by the way, this ancient idea of sin simply means separation. You choose not to live in union with all things. But what the storyteller does here is place the human capacity to make decisions and make a mess of things within a larger goodness. So you can see the question here. Does the story begin in chapter 3? Does the story begin in chapter 1? Because the story begins in chapter 1. It doesn't begin with the mess human beings are capable of making. It begins with an essential goodness that is present in all of creation. Here's why this is interesting. Where does your story begin? the story that you tell yourself day after day after day, does the story that you tell yourself, the story that exists in your interiors that inevitably makes its way to your exteriors, the story that begins deep in the center of your being that inevitably affects your actions and your interactions with others, does your story begin in the beginning or does it begin later? Because lots of people, their story begins in chapter three with all the ways they've made a mess of things. Yeah, they start the story later. <laughs> well, then of course, it's, of course, that story isn't that good. Of course, that story makes you crazy. Of course, that story beats you up in all sorts of ways. Of course, that story makes you feel like rubbish. Yeah, you started it in chapter three. And if you're going to tell the story well, you should start to tell the story from the beginning. Yeah, all of the mistakes and fumblings and separations and sins and all the all the things you've done that you're like, look at what a mess I've made of things. Really, is that the only story you got going there? Because that story begins in three, and uh, you could also start the beginning and story in chapter one. It's good. It's good to be me. Of course, when I look back, I'm like, wow, I could have done that differently. Wow, that was right. Of course, yeah, yeah. But you can choose. You get to decide the story you're telling. Not that you deny the facts. Not that we slide over the surface of things. But when you start the story earlier, it's a better story. By the way, uh, footnote historically, when was the Bible put together, the Hebrew Scriptures, also called the Old Testament, the book of Genesis? When was it edited together? It It, it was edited together when these Hebrews found themselves in exile. Well, what's that mean? Well, the Babylonians were the global military superpower of the day. They came in and completely destroyed this Hebrew culture, just wrecked it, burned the temple to the ground, and they hauled these Israelites away to a foreign land. So these people who put together this creation poem, they had been on the receiving end of a horrific amount of violence in which their homeland was destroyed, and they were hauled away to live in a foreign land among a foreign people. And in that foreign land, they were obviously exposed to the Babylonians and their creation stories, because every... Every culture has a creation story, has multiple creation stories often. You have a creation story. How you explain how things got here. How you explain how you got here. How you explain who you are. Yeah, see, this is larger and historic and cultural, and it's also very intimate and personal. Now, the Babylonians had a creation story called the Enuma Elish. It also is called the Seven Tablets of Creation. And in the Babylonian creation story, if you ask the person on the street, how did we get here? Their creation story was that the god Marduk defeated the goddess Tiamat in a long battle, and it's told in the series of tablets of the Seven Tablets of Creation, and then he took her carcass and he ripped it in half and he made the earth from one half of her carcass and the heavens from the other half. So in the Babylonian creation story, violence is the animating energy of creation. By the way, if you're a global military superpower, you're going to go around the world conquering other people, a, an origin story built on violence. Yeah, of course, it's going gonna, it's gonna to lead to all sorts of violence. Yeah. So you can see these people who have been through an extraordinary trauma find themselves in a foreign land surrounded by a people whose animating creation myth is rooted in violence and destruction. They then stitch together, because like Genesis itself even has multiple authors— They then edit together their own creation story, which is very similar. And by the way, um, people uh, eating fruit in a garden, um, you know, flood stories, like a lot of the creation elements of the Genesis story are in other peoples, are in other sacred texts, and a number of them are similar to the Enuma Elish, the Babylonian creation myth. So their creation story shares a lot of the same elements, and yet there's this thing happening in it. Because in this Genesis creation story, the animating energy of the story is not violence and destruction. Marduk ripping the carcass apart of the goddess Tiamat, right? In theirs, it's about divine joy and love, An explosive creativity that makes all of this wondrous diversity and loves it and announces it's good. It's good. It's good. Now, can you see why if you had been on the receiving end of a tremendous amount of violence and destruction, it would raise questions for you About this experience we're having as human beings. And their response is to edit together and to tell a story that reclaims the essential goodness of this experience. It's good to be us, it's good to be alive, it's good to be here. So you see, this Genesis creation poem, this is not like esoteric, sort of shiny, happy people. It's told in response to tremendous, horrific oppression and violence in a real political, military, ethnic way. Yeah, it's forged in the fires of life. Yeah, and in the disruptions and the pain, they reclaim an essential goodness. And that, and that's why chapter 1, chapter 2, chapter 3... That everything that happens, happens within this essential goodness. (sighs) Yeah. And of course, a good story has the freedom to go in all sorts of directions. Yeah. Think of how many stories we tell. and we tell about a good story, we tell about how bad it could have gone and how somebody made a different choice. We talk about how bad it was, and yet we survived it. We tell about how bad it was, and then we tell about something good that came out of it. So this goodness contains a freedom within it. Your life is free to go all sorts of ways. Yeah, your life can go all sorts of ways. Yeah, that's central to its goodness. So which is it? You can see the provocative questions. Is it good? And then, of course, it veers off track. From time to time, in big ways and small ways, or is it bad? And then occasionally, once in a while, there are little interruptions of good. So you, is it good to be you? And of course, you make a mess of things. From of course, you have regrets. Of course, you hurt people. Of course, you stumble along now and then. Of yeah, it, yeah, it's good to be you. And then you take responsibility for all of the ways in which, ah, uh, I fell short on that one? Or is it, is it not good to be you? And then every once in a while, maybe something happens that, uh, you know, that's, that seemed to be, but it was just temporary and passing. Now, that question that I just asked you, it's not an intellectual question, because we are living with open hearts, so we understand that the center of our being is much deeper within us. We live and move from deeper places within us than mind and thoughts and even feelings. We live and move according to a guiding story. And that story that we are telling, it's like we tell it with our whole body. It's the story we're actually listening to. It sits lower, or I don't know, lower, higher, bigger, beyond, within, more intimate and penetrating. However you want to say it, um, there's everything that buzzes around you all day long. Uh, there are all the the various responsibilities and the bills and the voices and the stuff that rattles around in your head. There's all that, and and then there is the story you're telling about all of it you shift the story that you're telling deep within you to a story that it's good to be here and it's good to be you. And you watch how many things around you shift. You watch how many things you view differently You watch what resources become available to you that were available the whole time, but you suddenly become aware of it. The endurance, the resilience, the creativity, the love that you will become aware of that has been yours the whole time, but suddenly becomes available in some new way um, when you shift that story. Yeah. By the way, side note. You'll notice how many people, um, it's very important for them to affirm that they're a good person, which is fine. Um, But there's a reason why I phrased this, it's good to be you and not you're a good person, you're a good person. Because you see what happens when a person keeps repeating that they're a good person? What happens when you do something that's not good? What happens then? It's not that you can't say, oh, I'm a good person, but you can see sometimes how that phrase that people, that hey, I'm a good person, I'm a good person, actually can keep an ego structure firmly intact. It actually can embolden the clinging and grasping that the swollen, bloated ego does. I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, but what happens when you do something that isn't good? for that, what you require is grace and love. Yeah. So you'll often notice what happens when a person just keeps reaffirming how good they are, is they end up not knowing what to do with their separation, with the things they've done that aren't good. And so they either deny it, or they just keep repeating how good they are, Or they have a shadow of all of their guilt and shame. So you see how freeing it's good to be me. And yeah, I say some dumb stuff on a regular basis. Yeah, 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 what I said to that person really hurt them. You know, I had to go make amends or, oh yeah, that period there. Man, the choices I made about money, what was I thinking? That's so dumb. Yeah, it's like you just own it. Do you see how... It's good to be you. gives you the it gives you the freedom to own. Much easier to call somebody and say I'm sorry when you believe that it's good to be you. It's good to be them, and there's an essential goodness. You'll notice that you clean up your side of the street much quicker. You'll notice that humility comes is like right there when you begin with a goodness to this experience. But when you're still grasping to it, no, 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 I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Yeah, it's hard to get to the humble, sort of tender posture that is how you make amends with people, that it is how you clean things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you have habits, tendencies, patterns that you don't like about yourself? Do you have things about you that you wish were different? Begin with goodness that it's good to be you and watch how new power flows to make the changes you want to make. Yeah. Do you uh, notice how when things go well, you give everybody but yourself credit and when things don't go well, you immediately blame yourself. Yeah. If it goes well, it was luck or fate or the gods or other people. If it doesn't go well, it was you. Yeah. See all that, that story. That's a chapter three story. It doesn't work doesn't work. So when you talk about the essential goodness, when you claim and own and affirm the essential goodness of this experience, then you don't have to spend all that energy endlessly crediting and blaming. Yeah. Or, let's go farther, shall we? Are you the person who's always apologizing for taking up space? Yeah, that's a chapter three right there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's a chapter three violation. What was it? Monsters, Inc., that fantastic Pixar movie? 2319. Yeah, that's a chapter three right there. We should develop that sort of language. Are you the person who's, who is often apologizing for taking up space? Yeah, see how that goes? Do you, do you see how that how that flows out? It's not good to be you, but it is good to be you. It's okay to take up space. Are you the person who somebody called you, and so you called them back? And when you called them back, you said, I'm sorry for interrupting, (laughs) but you're, but they called you first. Like you find a way to say you're, do you say you're sorry all the time for stuff? Um, I'm sorry for interrupting. Yeah, but I called you and you're just calling me back. You're not interrupting. I asked, I wanted to talk to you. Yeah. Uh, do you do a thousand disclaimers when you ask someone to do something for you? Because the thought of inconveniencing someone else is your worst nightmare? Uh, Do you let other people off the hook in a heartbeat? Like if if they have to cancel for some reason because something came up, you're like, yeah, it's fine. We'll do it later. But if you have to cancel because something came up, you feel terrible? Yeah. Do you have some next thing to say, do, create, make, and you're terrified that it might disrupt somebody. By the way, the whole session this weekend, the whole class this weekend is about that. But um, yeah, yeah, it's good to be you. It's okay if you disrupt people. What if the disruption is the gift you're here to give? Yeah, what if the truth that is asking to be spoken by you, that's the next thing for you? It's good to be you. Yeah, yeah, so maybe some people get a little ruffled. What a gift. Maybe that's what you're here to do. Yeah. Do you have problems forgiving yourself? Well, uh, let's reverse engineer that. How did you think it would go? Yeah. It's good to be you. And central to that goodness is freedom. Freedom to eat whatever fruit you want. Like that, of course you explored that freedom. Yeah, of course you tried things. Of course you loved that shiny object. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's good to be you, and central to this experience is freedom. Now, it it may have caused all kinds of pain to you and others. You may still be healing from those scars. Yeah, okay, okay. Uh, But if it's good to be you, do you see how? Honestly, how much easier it is to forgive yourself—not in a light, sort of trivial way, but in a. Um, did you think that you'd nail it right out of the gate? Did you think how would you know how to be you? Have you been you before? God, that's a whole other episode, isn't it? Ooh, I like that. I like that. Is this the first time you've been you? Well, in on what planet do people try things for the first time and they just nail it right out of the gate? <laughs> no, that doesn't happen with anything. It's called learning. Um, if you knew how to do it, then it wouldn't be called learning. Do you see how it's good to be you can free you from a whole world of voices and assumptions and shame and judgment? Yeah. It's good to be you. It's good to be us. It's good to be here. Are we fractured politically, it appears, more than ever yeah 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 have we done horrific damage to our planet yes um is income inequality speeding up more and more wealth is in the hands of even fewer. yes are these systemic injustices involving race brutality uh seem to be gaining ahead of steam. Yes, although we are talking about them more than ever. And talking about them means you're aware of them and awareness is always how it starts. So yeah, yeah, all sorts of things can happen within this essential goodness that are destructive and wrong and evil and oppressive and yeah, but but we will never get to the roots and fix these problems unless we are firmly grounded, and that eternal, essential truth that it's good to be you. It's good to be me. It's good to be here. It's good to be us. It's good to be doing this. The people and art and experiences that have most moved you were people and art and experiences and events that spoke to you of this deeper goodness. You know what I'm talking about. They spoke to your anxieties and fears. They didn't deny them. They simply called you to something deeper. They acknowledged your pain. They acknowledged your wounds. They acknowledged your worries, your stresses, and then reminded you of something that even those sit upon, rest upon, a deeper goodness. Yeah, that's what I've been trying to do here in this episode. Remind you of that which is before. Uh, Remind you of that which is aware. Yeah. Yeah, there is a goodness to this experience that we have, that we are. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe you take out a piece of paper and you write on it. It's good to be, and then you write your name. Yeah. Yeah. You see how simple that is almost like it has this childlike innocence to it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's how we Yeah, that's 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 how you make your way in the world. That is a story. Yeah, it starts in the right place. Yeah, now you can make sense of things. Now you can be on your way. Now you have a shot at enjoying it. Yeah, it's good to be you it's good to be you. It's good to be you. And may grace and peace and goodness be with you, my friends, every step of the way.